0: Arresting the Shadows, from the Book of Five Rings. Exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. That's what we do at Kung Fu Podcast, and I'm your host, T.W. Smith. I greatly appreciate you joining me today and including me as part of your martial arts journey. If this is your first time to Kung Fu Podcast, welcome. You're going to find that you're in the audience of some of the finest and sharpest martial artists in the world. People that put a real effort and attention into their martial arts training. Thank you so much for the feedback on how much you enjoyed the interview with Hanshi Doug Perry. I had a great time with him and plan to go up there to see him again soon. In fact, I was just on the phone with him the other day. And he said he really did appreciate that you were interested in hearing an old man ramble for a little while. I told him that we loved it so much that we're going to have to get him back on here soon. In fact, I received this note just the other day. And it says, Hi, Seafood T.W. Smith. As per usual, fantastic work. I really appreciate what you do. It's amazing that I don't have to travel abroad and search for this kind of information all I have to do is subscribe to a podcast. Thank you very much for that note. In fact, that's a reminder that anytime you have any feedback about the programming, I love to hear about it. In fact, I'm going to ask you to send me some notes periodically, whether it's through our Twitter or Facebook pages, about programs that you would like to hear about coming up in 2018. We have some things already slated, but I'm always going to be interested in what are some of the topics that come up for you. Because if you leave it up to me, I'm going to pick a lot of topics that are from people that I trust. In fact, that's exactly what happened in today's main piece. I want to reintroduce newly stated agent of action, Kai Morgan. You can find her work at budoandnochi.com or go to kungfupodcast.com forward slash Kai. Kai, I introduced Kai's blog, Budo Nochi when she wrote about a story of watching three black belts going through their grading process. Let me real briefly share with you again, because it impacts me every time I read it. One of the people she watched was a middle-aged man who moved gracefully and powerfully. Another was a younger man who was kind of fast and edgy, much like a swift boxer. And the third was an older woman who didn't look good at all. Kai continued by watching the full grading process and the sparring, and then she wrote, The two guys have a range of forms and strikes. The woman, only a few, and the form is mediocre. But the sparring came, and the woman sets her face, and she looks scary with ferocity. This woman makes it to the other side of the room through grit and determination. Kai goes on to write that she immediately wanted to learn karate. Afterwards, she spoke to the lady, and here is what the older woman said. I train three times a week and often end up in tears of frustration, sometimes at the technical challenges and sometimes my own lack of flexibility and athleticism. But as Kai writes, the woman passed her grade because she, along with the other two men, had the same tenacity and fighting spirit. Then later, we had a featured article with Kai in Episodes 105 and 106 that I titled The Three Levels of Personal Research into Your Martial Arts Studies. And it was based on her essay that was titled Looking for Secrets in Your Martial Arts Study." It was an incredibly good essay many of you have written in about how impactful those two episodes were to you. I have a few other of Kai's works slated because they all stimulate thinking outside the box. Well, thinking outside the box was certainly something that Miyamoto Musashi did when he wrote the book of Five Rings. His book had a tremendous impact on many of us. In fact, it was the first book I ever read that I can recall in martial arts because I was being groomed in administration working in the hospitals and that particular book at the time was being shared at the Harvard Business School as part of their curriculum so I figured well you know what a great place to start it was also very impactful to others including Shoshin Nagamine when he wrote the book Tales of Okinawa's Great Masters translated by Patrick McCarthy Shoshin Nagamine was influential in himself. In fact, Funakoshi wrote the foreword where he writes, quote, In this book, Master Nagami presents the combat legacy of our people. The legend of Okinawan's warriors included in his presentation are Matsumura of Shuri, Matsumura of Tamari, Motobu, and Kiyon Chotoku, among others. All famous martial artists I felt that this was the first book about karate that was both illuminating and easy to understand. I was impressed that Nagamine Sensei did not introduce karate in a mysterious way, as if it was an obscure or almighty phenomenon. Rather, the art has been presented by a person who knows karate very well, a person who truly understands the meaning of the discipline and its authentic techniques. Mysterious stories about karate sometimes confuse the actual purpose of the art. I can understand and accept the reason behind them as they serve to spark interest in young boys. However, each reader or listener should interpret the message in his own way. Later in the book, Shoshin Nagamine talks about how there was little emphasis placed on the spiritual practices because of harsh political restrictions that were placed upon them. And that is something that both Samantha May in her research and work and Hashi Doug Perry spoke about, that many of these Okinawans were being killed for political reasons only. So they had to find other ways to do the work. And Shoshin Nagamine writes that, quote, to recognize this historical phenomenon is to understand how and why such overemphasis was placed on physical conditioning and practical application. By the time of the Meiji, 1868 to 1912, and the Taisho, 1912 to 1925 periods, karate training, a discipline void of the spiritual element, came to reflect this physical orientation. Most if not all, teachers of karate placed more emphasis on fighting than they ever did on the inward journey. In spite of disliking such practices, I first learned karate under these circumstances, End quote. Well, he continues to write about how he made it through World War II. He began to work it at the police stations. Then he opened up a karate school in Naha Komoji District and that the central populated areas of Okinawa had been reduced to rubble, there were thousands dead, there was little to no social community, and crime was rampant. He began to feel lonely in a way that he had never experienced before. And that's where he writes, quote, I began to reevaluate the teaching policy of karate with regard to its philosophy. In spite of the two profound training precepts hanging on the wall of my dojo, which read Karate Nisinte Nashi and Mazu Sono Kokoro Oseisu, forge the spirit first, I must admit that I was far from embracing such a spirit. In the book Shikon, The Soul of the Samurai, I studied the works of Musashi Miyamoto, and Teshu Yamaoka. However, because I was not mentally prepared to understand the magnitude of their writing, it had no great impact on me at the time. The following ten years passed rather quickly, bringing me no closer to enlightenment than I had previously been. However, after having read Musashi's Gorin Nosho, The Book of Five Rings, and Yama Okul's, Teshu proves his true value. I gained enormous insight, renewed my own direction in life, and realized how karate should be taught in the future. End quote. So the book of Five Rings has had an amazing impact on many, many people. And in this episode, Kai Morgan is going to explore one piece of it. She titled her essay, three different perspectives on Miyamoto Musashi's Arresting Shadows. The Book of Five Rings is dated 1645, and the phrase Arresting Shadows is a principle to be used when adversaries' aggressive intentions toward you are perceptible. The Book of Five Rings introduces many concepts like Arresting Shadows, But it doesn't explain the detail about how to implement this in practice. Instead, Musashi advises you to explore and discover each point for yourself via careful reflection and thorough practice. So, you can't draw on the Book of Five Rings directly in the same way as a formal textbook or read it from cover to cover like a novel. It's more like a collection of hints which may be fleshed out over time through transmission from a good teacher and your own private martial arts study and reflection. As a side note, I refer to this book as a pickup book. And by pickup book, what I mean is that I have several books that I just pick up, open it up, and see what they are. So, for example, the Book of Five Rings, the 48 Laws of Power, and as well as the Tibetan Book of living and dying. Usually when you open it up, you read the first thing that comes to you, you'll find that in a paragraph or so, you'll have a good month's worth of work. Kai continues by writing that she's been fortunate to meet Sensei Takeshi Tanagawa, who has a wise approach when you're trying to read and evaluate a critical text, like the Book of Five Rings. The suggestion is to read it from three different lenses. One lens as a warrior, another as a scholar, and another as a monk. Through Kai's essay, we're going to apply this framework to Masashi's passage on Arresting Shadows and see what emerges from it. Kai states that she isn't specifically trained in Sensei Tanagawa's way of reading text, So this is an interpretation of what the approach could look like if you were going to interpret it from the perspective of a warrior, scholar, or monk. So let's get into the text itself, and we're going to start with Thomas Cleary's translation. Arresting shadows is something you do when adversaries' aggressive intentions towards you are perceptible. In large-scale military science, this means to arrest the enemy's action— at the point of the very impulse to act. If you demonstrate strongly to opponents that you control the advantage, they will change their minds inhibited by this strength. Then you change your attitude, too, to an empty mind from which you can take the initiative and seize the victory. In individual martial arts as well, you use an advantageous rhythm to arrest the powerful determination of the Adversary's motivation. Then you find the winning advantage in the moment of pause and now take the initiative. This must be worked out thoroughly. So there's the text that we're going to look at from three different points of view. The first, reading the Arresting Shadows passage as a scholar. For simplicity, Kai structures this section in line with the blog post from Dustin Wax titled, Advice for Students, How to Read Like a Scholar, who suggests reading a text with the following questions in mind. And the first question, what is the author trying to say? Kine writes that Musashi seems to be advising us to seize the initiative and proactively change the other person's mind in order to control them. He then advises you to change your own mind too, to put yourself into the right place to seize victory. The five rings, or scrolls, are earth, water, fire, wind, and void. A resting shadow appears in the fire scroll, which compares combat to fire. Musashi explains that people often focus on little things in their training, such as the Minor advantages of speed are training their hands and feet in this way. In the Fire Scroll, he takes a bigger picture view, explaining that the best training for eliminating enemies comes from understanding the principles of how real combat works. Arresting shadows is one of the strategies he advises for taking control in battle. The second question you can ask as a scholar interpreting that passage. How does the author say what they're trying to say? Well, a metaphor can convey so much more than a direct description. Aristotle once wrote, Ordinary words convey only what we know already. It is from metaphor that we can best get hold of something fresh. Applying Aristotle's thoughts, Musashi is using a beautiful powerful and complex metaphor. The Japanese noun kage is ambiguous. It has seemingly contradictory meanings that include shadow, silhouette, figure, shape, reflection, image, omnious sign, light like the stars or moon, a trace, a shadow of one's former self. The verb Oseru can be translated in different ways. This means that Kage o Oseru has been translated variously. For example, controlling the light by William Scott Wilson, or to hold down a shadow by Victor Harris. Now, I made a side note there that these are all very reasonable English translations, and just like when I'm reading a Chinese martial arts text, you always have to remember that no matter how good that a translator is, there's always something inherently lost through the translation. It sometimes just loses some of the culture or the edges of the context. Kai made a note in her footnotes that as a non-native speaker of Japanese, this messes with her head quite a bit. How can the same word have such opposite meanings? But she did a little research, and she says that even the English language is full of words like this, which we often don't even notice because they are called contronyms, and they include words such as out, which means visible, as with the stars showing in the sky, or invisible in reference to the lights. Another contronym is oversight, which means monitoring or failing to oversee. Sanction, which means to approve or to boycott. And then the last contronym she listed is transparent, which means invisible or obvious. For example, he was very transparent. Well Kine continues, and she says that this ambiguous image gives us a sense of yin balanced with yang of working with an inexorable natural principle of controlling something that may seem intangible and impossible to control. The third question you can ask as a scholar is why is the author's point important? Thomas Cleary argues that the Book of Five Rings gives us two important principles. Keeping inwardly calm and clear, even in the midst of violent chaos, and the second, not forgetting about the possibility of disorder in times of order. Cleary explains that as a warrior of two different worlds, a world of war and a world of peace, Musashi was obliged to practice both of these fundamental aspects of the warrior's way in a most highly intensified manner. Now it may be almost 400 years later, But this wisdom feels just as relevant today. The fourth question to ask as a scholar when interpreting the passage do you agree or disagree with the author? Kai writes that she can definitely appreciate the value in this concept of resting shadows, even though, as Jackie Bradbury says, most of us are thankfully not fighting on real battlefields every day. However, Conflict is a real part of life, and Musashi's principle could be of great help in many of these situations. The fifth question, how does this work connect, compare, or contrast with other works? Thomas Cleary explains that Musashi's work is distinctive, both technically and philosophically. Because Musashi was a masterless samurai pursuing a career as a dueler and an independent teacher of martial arts, as opposed to a writer such as Yagyu, with his more stable background of public service. The use of metaphors is also distinctive, especially when you compare it to a typical martial arts textbook, which is more likely to give literal descriptions of techniques. In fact, Green and Sfinth explained that at one point, European fencing also used metaphorical names for techniques. However, as humanist thought flourished during the Renaissance, these names were replaced with more mechanical or numerical names to reflect the more rational scholarly language coming into fashion in the West. And then there is the sixth and last question. What is the social context of the work? All of the questions listed here could lead on to a deep scholarly study, which there isn't enough space right now to embark on. Just to give you a glimpse of where such a study could go, here is Dustin Wax's guidance for exploring the social context. To answer this question, you need to reflect on the historical period. Always consider the historical moment in which a work was created. What kind of person wrote it? And for what kind of audience? What historical events shaped the author's perceptions and ideas? How was their world different from yours? And how was it similar? Okay, so that's the conclusion of part one reading Miyamoto Musashi's Book of Five Rings, the chapter of Fire, and the phrase, or I should say metaphor, of how to use arresting shadows. In this episode, we read it as a scholar by asking five questions as we read it. What is the author trying to say? How does the author say what they're trying to say? The third question is, why is the author's point Important. The fourth is, do you agree or disagree with the author? The fifth, how does this work connect, compare, or contrast with other works? And then the sixth question, when reading it as a scholar that you want to make sure you ask, is what is the social context of the work? All of those questions will lead you further down the scholarly study of any text, not just the book of five ranks. We're going to take that same passage and we're going to read it again as a warrior and then read it again as a monk. I was really impressed with this work, and I hope that you're going to find some value out of it. If you do find any value of Kung Fu Podcast and want to support the programming and its future episodes, please go to KungFuPodcast.com forward slash support. I have a laundry list of things that you could do to support this program. Some of them do not cost you a penny. I hope to hear from you and I'll be talking with you again real soon.